Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts, Bianca Foley and Charlotte Williams. Hello and welcome back to Sustainably Influenced. Today, Mm -hmm. we are talking about carbon offsetting, which is a very interesting topic, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, and I have a lot of opinions on it. (laughs) And we are going to talk about it in a very debate-led way. Ooh, I'm here for this. In the sense that I just want to make that I have a lot of negative ideas about carbon offsetting, Mm -hmm. but I also want to talk about positives as well. I'm really glad because I have opinions, but I also don't feel like I know enough about carbon offsetting to really just I could never leave this episode because I don't know enough about it but I'm looking forward to this I want to learn I'm not sure if I'm equipped to leave (laughs) this episode I'm not going to lie to you but I really wanted to talk about it so good let's just get into it and see what happens because uh, I've got like five articles in front of me and I'm going to reference all of them at different times so let's just start first of all by talking about what it is So I'm just getting Wikipedia up here just because we are accessible babes. And what is carbon offsetting? So a carbon offset is a reduction or removal of emissions of carbon dioxide or other greenhouse gases made in order to compensate for emissions made elsewhere. Okay. Okay. So it's basically taking bad things from one place to counteract something else that's happening somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something about carbon offsetting that is interesting is that a lot of people, general public, are led to believe that it's what we need to do to save the planet, climate, all of that. But actually aren't fully aware that by carbon offsetting, it doesn't actually mean that you're taking away the bad that's already been done. You're just doing good somewhere else. And... There's a lot of articles about carbon offsetting and it's quite interesting because I couldn't find one that really gave me what I needed for this episode until I found an article from our babes at Greenpeace, who we love, our controversial babes at Greenpeace because they always they go for it. And I'm really into their stance on climate and how like things. (laughs) Yeah, but like how aggressive they are because it's not always about being nice. And the title of this article that was written on their website, on their blog, is the biggest problem with carbon offsetting (laughs) is that it doesn't really work. And this was written by Elia Al-Ghussain. And essentially what it's saying is that carbon offsetting exists. People are really going for it. But it's definitely being used by the bigger powers such as BP and Shell and a lot of airline companies to basically say, don't worry about what's going on. Don't look at this because we're planting trees and it's all okay. I'm not getting into I'm not going to start ranting three minutes into the episode. I'm just going to keep it in me and I'm going <laughs> to let you continue so that when it gets to the point where I am free to rant, it's all going to come out in one big blob. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I have a real issue with the tree planting. Oh. Not an issue. But it's just, I want to know why all we're doing is planting trees. Okay, right, cool. So, on the government website for the UK, 
there is... I thought you were going to say, sorry, I thought you were going to say, on the government website for the UK, they've told us that we've planted 50 million trees. (laughs) To be fair, there's probably somewhere that it will say that. But um, they have a whole section around being net zero and reducing or eliminating carbon emissions, which is, I think... It's a big statement. It's a big statement and it's a big project. And I know as a business owner, I've had multiple emails from government people to talk about making my business net zero. And it's something that we're in the process of doing. But it's not as easy as you think it is. And a lot of it's to do Uh, with... I'm keeping my mouth shut. No, get involved. No, uh, this topic... This is why I think I have so many issues with it because I feel like a lot of the terminology, there's not a lot of understanding behind what it all means. And it's sort of, it's not even thrown about, it's flung about so haphazardly Mm. that I see so many brands that say, oh, we're net zero. What does that mean? And if you ask them, they're like, "Uh, I don't know. Someone (laughs) PR team told us to say it. Yeah, just say that you're net zero. My understanding of net zero is that Basically, in 2019, the government was like, right, by 2050, we'll be net zero. And my understanding of this, and this is where I put a disclaimer of the podcast to say that we are not experts in this field Mm -hmm. and we just like to talk about things and we encourage conversations. So for people to come on and chat to us about this. But my understanding is that in 2019, they made this pledge to be net zero in 2050, which means that their carbon emissions, so what they're releasing out into the world when it comes to carbon, yeah, carbon products and byproducts of, of carbon waste, doesn't exceed that of what they did in 2019. That is what I think that means. Okay. Do you think that's what it means? Essentially, yeah. yeah okay, cool. Know, yeah. <laughs> so to do this, they will have to balance or counteract what they're releasing okay and that is done in many ways one of them is by planting trees but in the uk there are 17 different carbon offsetting approaches Mm -hmm. a lot of them are environmental approaches so yeah yeah, a lot of of planting of trees and, and and green products so there's different criteria to measure the success of these carbon offsetting approaches so i'll just read them out so readiness for implementation speed and scale permanence and in brackets they've put impact is not reversed Mm -hmm. which is really important leakage in brackets reduction in emissions in one area leads to increase in another Mm. so much to think about here additionality in brackets reductions that would not have happened otherwise co-benefits confidence in the science measuring impact risks and barriers and costs so all of these things the the government and the environment agency are taking into consideration when they're thinking about making us net zero. But I had a call with a guy who works in the PR team for the UK Gov and we had a call last year and I need to follow up actually this year now we've restructured the business. But it was around how small businesses specifically because he works in the small business sector can become net zero as companies and we had a really interesting conversation but it was very much on the marketing and PR side not necessarily really deep diving because we then had to have workshops and I got invited to lots of events but essentially businesses large and small all have their responsibility when it comes to causing damage to the environment there's a lot that can be said that we don't understand so as a business owner Things like, and we've discussed this before, emails. 
Cloud storage. Cloud storage. Anything that's like social media harboring of data that is actually costing the earth because if you go to like where are they they're like greenland they're in like really cold countries like greenland there's these little data mines and bunkers where they're just filled with a billion wires and um what they called servers i'm like storage boxes for wires what's that called (laughs) Um, billion servers and it costs so much in energy as well as money to to run to run them and keep them going and we don't think about that. As a business owner, you're like, I receive an email. That's cool. I think it comes from the past sort of 15 years where all you've started to hear is the cloud. And so many yeah. people, and I remember when it started to become a thing, my mum or older people around me saying, oh, where is this cloud? Is it just up <laughs> in the sky? I, I, I always said, well, there has to be a physical place where this is kept. But what's hilarious is we've always been like, haha, don't be ridiculous. But it's actually, the yes. <laughs> there has to be a physical place yeah. where it's stored and it's going to be... It's going to cost us in some capacity. Mm. It, it links back to what we've spoken about with regards to fashion. When when you throw something away, where is away? Yeah, It's that out of sight, out of mind thing. And it happens with digital as well as it does with physical product. And I think a lot of us forget that, that there is a carbon emission associated with anything that you're storing. Because they have to run these servers constantly. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I, it, I'm trying my best to be better and clear out my email clear out my oh, my Google photos and my Apple, my cloud, because oh. I've had both. So I'm paying extra for more storage for stuff that I don't really need or that I don't access, yeah. that I don't, I may look at a photo once a year or go through something and I think to myself, I would actually almost be better off printing off the pictures that I want to keep and keep them in an album or something and getting rid of them. Yeah. Digital. That's actually a really interesting concept. Because, going back to how it used to be. Yeah, because it's like trees using... Paper. paper which one costs more that's actually yeah. a really good question does it cost more to hold a photo album online or to get it printed out that's a question i'm gonna ask someone and i will somehow share it with everyone but yeah as businesses we're being expected to make change which i think is amazing obviously i'm totally up for it i don't know how much um other small businesses are taking this as serious because it's a lot of work. It's the same as like doing your GDP up. These are things that are really important because there are so many businesses like the UK pushes entrepreneurship really heavily, even more so now, even though taxes mm. become awful for any business, they're pushing entrepreneurship. But something that I haven't seen apart from these emails I've had is helping you figure out how to like do things from the beginning in a green way. I'll find out the name of the company, but we got approached about six, seven months ago, it must have been, for carbon offsetting for the podcast, but not for the podcast, for actual Instagrams. And oh, you yeah. have to link up to link up to everything. But I just didn't, I kept meaning oh to goodness. do it. Oh my goodness, yeah, we did. Yeah, I would love to know what it is that they're doing to offset that carbon and help us with our waste that we do produce in running between us three Instagram accounts a podcast and multiple email accounts because mm. <laughs> I find it I find it very very interesting because I think to myself there is always waste associated with everything that you do there's always going to be some sort of cost or impact so how can you mitigate that and why I have an issue with the tree planting it's not an issue with tree planting I don't want to sound like I, I hate trees or anything but it's just become this thing that every brand says 
I'm doing better because I'm planting trees. And I think it's based on something that I learned on an episode of Sustainable Saturdays that I did with the most ethical florist company in the UK called Arena Flowers. Now, mm, I've had some flowers of theirs yeah. to my flat before. They're beautiful. Yeah, they've been practicing ethical floristry for quite a while now. And they're based in the UK. They're amazing. Like, this isn't an ad or anything. I just want to talk you through what I learned with them. And when companies say that they're going to plant a tree, whether it be here, whether it be in a hot climate, we all know what the UK climate is like. Last week it was boiling hot sunshine, then this week we've had snow, rain, end of the world kind of weather. So where do you think a tree is going to get to maturity quicker? Our crappy climate or somewhere that's warm? Mm. So if you think about it, the more trees that we're planting here, yes, it's great because we will be able to offset the carbon in the country that we live in, mm-hmm. which is good. Not, It's not going to be condensed to one part of the world, but it's going to take a much longer time for a tree to get to maturity live in, living in the UK. I say that trees are living <laughs> in the UK, <laughs> living and residing in the UK versus somewhere like Kenya or Madagascar, mm-hmm. where you can grow trees like mangrove trees, where they grow much quicker and they reach maturity much quicker and they start offsetting at a much quicker rate. So for me, I've always had a bit of a thing when companies say, oh, we've planted a tree just because we've sent you something or just because we've done this, we've planted a tree. I'm like, but have you? Have you planted a tree? When will this carbon offsetting actually take place? It takes about 20 years. Yeah, and this is is always my slight problem with it. Yeah, and also if we think that there's so much to cover in this episode, so I think we're also going to have to talk about this in another season as well. But there's a few things. Firstly, I have a lot of friends who work in this area. He was in Kenya a couple of months ago planting mangrove trees. And I have another friend who's coming on later this later today in this episode who plants bamboo in Sri Lanka. Amazing. Um, which is really exciting. But obviously, people are out there planting these trees. So it is good. It works. It's happening. And it's needed. But something we have to think oh, about yeah um, that goes without saying yeah. i'm not saying it's I, no, not no, no, needed. i just want to make sure that we're, yeah. we're saying this just in case someone's like ah. but something also to think about is how we are planting these trees in not our country <laughs> so we're going over to other people's countries and offsetting mainly stuff that we've done and because a lot of the communities that we're planting in they're not they have a much lower impact yeah, on they're the not doing what we're doing compared to the uk the us most of South America as well, because a lot of South America is quite high carbon and high polluters. China, Russia, most of Western Europe, the places where they're going to plant a lot of these things, like, you're so right in saying this, aren't places that produce as much waste or carbon waste or have as high an impact as we do. Mm. So, yeah, this is why I have a problem with it. So that's one thing to think about. Secondly, I want to go back to a comment you made about social media. According to Statista, which is a statistics website, say that quickly, (laughs) um, who do you think is the most environmentally impactful social media platform? As in, like, who's doing the worst? Um, 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 (laughs) I was waiting for you to start singing the countdown music. That's hilarious. In my head, I could hear it. So hold on, let's get this right. The one that that produces the most... Amount of CO2 equivalent. I'm going to say, because of the multiple like different things that they offer... Oh no, maybe the length of videos. I'm going to say YouTube. Oh, interesting. 
No. Oh. <laughs> so who is it then? So according to Statista, they've said that in terms of the environmental impact, the social network with the most impactful news feed was TikTok. They emit about 4.93 grams of CO2 equivalent per minute. Is that because it's so heavily video based or short videos or I'm, users? or It doesn't actually say, but I'm pretty sure it's to do with a mixture of the video content, but then also the user base is massive. It yeah. is actually the most streamed platform now. It's, over, oh, it's it? overtaking everyone. And then, funnily enough, Instagram, who we love to hate, but we love, love you guys, they ranked in fifth place and they admit about 1.9 grams of CO2 equivalent. Okay. That's significantly less, which is quite cool, actually, because yeah. they are a lot older, so you think that... Yeah, they, you would think that, yeah, they didn't have it as together. <laughs> So I just want to quickly talk about this site called Ecosia. I don't know if we're all familiar with it, which is a green alternative to Google, Yeah, essentially. Oh, no, not to Google, to, to browser, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's a search it's, engine. It's a search engine or browser on your phone. So you can download it if you have an Apple phone or a Android and you can have it in, as a replacement to like your Safari or Google Chrome. And they say that they're a search engine that plants trees. So every time someone searches... They plant a tree. And we've got Sourpuss, <laughs> Sourpuss Bianca over here saying, how do they plant trees? But what they've said is they use ad revenue from our searches to plant trees where they are needed the most. So by using Ecosio, you're not just, you know, searching, you're also reforesting. Okay, I'm going to be slightly less Sourpuss about it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just how quickly the ticker's going. I just want it to actually reflect something. No, but this ticker is basically saying that how many times someone searched with it. Because every time someone searches, they're able to... I don't know that... I don't work for it, <laughs> so I don't know. But I'm imagining that they have an external company that they would use and they have targets and they say you need yeah. to you plant this many trees. And they work with over 30 organisations across the, yeah, I know across the they, world. Yeah, I need that. Or 30 yeah. countries, should I say. So they're planting in specific places with local organisations. So I imagine maybe this is something for us to do a deep dive in on a personal level. Yeah, I imagine that they are doing the bits because they're a B Corp. Yeah. So they couldn't just they say They can't just say it. it. They can't just say it. Everybody just, I don't have a problem with trees being planted. Please don't think that. <laughs> Sounds like you do. <laughs> it's not that. It's just the rate of, it's how many companies are now using that as their sustainability action and to yeah. just say that's what I have a, an issue with which is what's interesting here which we'll give a backup to this actually they use solar panels to produce quote unquote twice the amount of energy needed to power all searches with renewables which okay. is something I see different because a lot of these companies that are saying oh we plant trees are still using traditional energy fossil sources fuels, fossil yeah. fuels so this company I would see as Better. a leader yeah because the problem that I think we both have with the carbon offsetting situation is that we feel, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I think that we feel that a lot of companies are using this as a perfect way to greenwash. Yeah, it's a greenwashing And tool. to say, we've done all of these bad things, but we've offset it. Well, we've planted a tree, therefore we're better, is what, is what yeah. I read it as. And for me, that's what grinds my gears. Yeah. <laughs> it gets my goat and it pisses me off yeah. there we go you can swear on this podcast it's okay it pisses me off something interesting I went to a wedding <laughs> went to a wedding last year by a friend of mine who is 
an eco warrior he's like really impressive some of the stuff he does I'm it, he blows my mind and it was in Spain and one of the I think the best man made a joke and was like we all know you know he's an eco warrior he does all this stuff but we all flew out to Spain to be here and the groom was like I can't be offset but you have to think about it in this way that we live in a world where we do things and we talk about this a lot and it's about balance it's like we do things that aren't necessarily the best for the environment but if we find a way to do them that is the best that we can and then if there is a a way of helping I wouldn't say counteracting or eliminating the bad we've done because that is impossible because we've already done it but to help the future then the carbon offsetting for me is great because as an example yeah I might have used social media loads let's say this social media thing's actually wowed me (laughs) but if we've been on social and we've we now realize how much we're actually doing bad when it comes to Mm. our use of social media this has been done so what can we do to to counteract it counteract it or to add i think we should change vocabulary around this actually that would be though do you know what i think that's a really fair point yeah i think that would like get rid of all the, the issues it's not about we're not offsetting carbon offsetting is a really bad term we're not offsetting because the impact's already there yeah it's we can't can remove we the impact yeah we need to get some positivity in the bank yeah it's like carbon bonus points or something it reminds me of like when people say oh i've been to the gym late so i can eat a cheat meal to me that's how i get the vibe is like oh yeah. well i've worked out or we can flip it on its head and say oh, i had a massive meal yesterday so i'm gonna have to work out today and have like a calorie deficit or something but it's yeah. that kind of same sort of thing for me where i think you've already the damage is done yeah but at the same time if you flip it in a different way and we have businesses like let's say Ecosia that are the solar panels that's like giving me a bit of a yeah so you can say I've worked out already so I deserve a cheat meal I actually (laughs) I agree with that (laughs) because if you've done the work working out is the positive thing so you can do the negative Mm -hmm. because you've done the positive so if you flip it and say We've done loads of not that great things for the environment, but we did it using renewable energy or we did it using buying secondhand. You know, it could be about, you know, I'm participating in capitalism, but I'm also doing that in the secondhand reseller market. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, it's like a slightly positive negative. Yeah, definitely. No. I'll I'll shut up now. It's fine. <laughs> I'll stop being a Debbie Downer. It's fine. So on that note, we're going to now speak to my friend Priya Biller, who is the co-founder of climate action startup Plan B. They work in nature-based carbon dioxide removal, which is so perfect for this episode. Okay. And we will talk to her about greenwashing, carbon offsetting and the good and the bad. Here we go. So Priya, thank you so much for coming today and joining us at Sustainably Influenced. Great, really happy to be here, thanks. So this conversation is quite exciting because both of us have been talking about it together for a while. I think we've mentioned it in the podcast, but Priya is a friend of mine from university and I've been obviously following you, seeing everything you've been doing for the last few years and your new business is very exciting. So I want to talk about what it is that you're doing. So first of all, tell us about Plan B and what it is that you do. Great. So Plan B is, well, we work in climate action. 
and essentially we're in nature-based carbon removal. So it's really connected to what you're talking about in terms of carbon offsetting, but there is a real distinction in what we do is that we physically remove CO2 from the atmosphere. And that's super important because we've basically run out of time to just simply reduce. So with the IPCC reports that have been coming out last year and again in April this year, the message is really stark, which is that even if we were to reduce all of our emissions, we've still put too much into the atmosphere, which means that we actually need to draw that down to both our present and historical emissions. So that's what we're trying to do at Plan Boo, and we use nature to do that. So we're harnessing the power of nature using plants and bamboo in particular, but other plants too, that through photosynthesis, remove CO2 from the atmosphere and give out oxygen. So by using these plants and turning it into what's called a biochar, which is a plant-based type of charcoal, we physically remove the CO2 through photosynthesis and then store it out of the atmosphere in the ground through biochar. And we're doing that over in Sri Lanka with some plantations working with farmers directly so that the finance that is generated through generating carbon credits Carbon credits are essentially just a certificate which represent one metric ton of CO2 that is put into the atmosphere. When you can evidence that that's been taken out of the atmosphere, you generate a carbon credit, which a business could buy to contribute towards their net zero targets. So by producing and selling those carbon credits, we generate money, which we split 50-50 with the farmer in Sri Lanka. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that, 50-50. That's really cool. When I did some research on the whole concept of carbon offsetting and carbon removal and everything. One of the biggest criticisms outside of businesses kind of taking advantage was about carbon offsetting businesses taking advantage of local areas and local communities. So it sounds like you're doing a good job at making sure people get paid. How did you choose Sri Lanka as your point? Sri Lanka is an incredible country. I know that it really is. You know, I love it. So my background is South Asian. And so when I was working over in Nepal a few years ago, I took some time out after a big project working in post-earthquake reconstruction after the 2015 earthquake in Nepal. And I went on holiday in Sri Lanka. And one day I was out surfing and met my now co-founder and the CEO of our company, Freddie. Freddie and Mark have been working in Sri Lanka in bamboo construction over in the East Coast in Yala National Park for three years. And so All of us just came together with this shared love for sustainability and for surfing and Sri Lanka. And so fast forward four years later, we decided that would be the place where we have the connection, the network, and hopefully now kind of the skill set to be able to do something to give back. I love that. It's such a great country to do that in because Sri Lanka is known a lot for the plantations and planting things in general. So it's quite interesting that you've got this kind of modern twist on the plantation model. Totally. And what we're doing with the biochar is an ancient practice. So they found the first remnants of this charcoal used as a soil in the Amazon from over 2000 years ago. So it's an indigenous practice and using that wisdom and then adding, as you say, a modern twist, what we're doing is enabling nature and the people who are custodians of the land in Sri Lanka to kind of do what nature has intended it to do. We're sort of giving it a helping hand. And yeah, a lot of the time that these carbon offsets or removal credits are generated, the global south don't really receive it. So you'll see a lot of the new high tech engineered solutions like direct air capture and BEX. So all of these different ways that we can remove CO2 from the atmosphere. 
are taking place in the States or in Iceland, which is great. I mean, we need to remove emissions all over the entire globe, but actually being able to kind of integrate them into a project that has some climate justice and some socio-environmental benefits built into that as well. We can actually do more than just remove CO2 and actually contribute to a bigger sense of climate action. Yeah. Okay. I'm obsessed. Okay. So what is that actual difference between carbon offsetting and carbon removal? Mm, That's a good question. So traditional offsetting is that you're usually trying to avoid emissions that will come from, you know, burning fossil fuels. So An example could be if you replace fossil fuel like dirty energy with clean energy. And the idea is that like when one metric ton of CO2 is emitted as a buyer of a carbon offset, you're basically funding, you're giving money to the equivalent of that carbon dioxide saving elsewhere. So that is why there's been like a lot of debate around it, because it's like this get out of jail free card that you can continue to, let's say, on an individual level, take a flight, but you could buy you could buy carbon offsets to compensate for that flight emission. I guess in in essence, then the CO2 is still going into the atmosphere. So with carbon removal, what we're doing is looking at how we can draw that existing CO2 from the atmosphere that's already there. So it's like a physical, tangible process rather than paying somebody to allow you to continue to pollute, then you physically remove it. But I don't want to completely trash talk offsets because There are some incredible projects taking place which are centered around forest conservation, for example. So the idea of that is that you, by protecting the forest, you stop the forest getting deforested and trees being harvested, which then you can say there is a saving. You've avoided that CO2 being burnt by fuel for wood, let's say. But there's people there, there's indigenous people, there's project developers that are day and night protecting the forest. So in that way, those projects are still fantastic. Maybe that's the claiming of them as a carbon offset that is the thing that has been hard to regulate and like hard to standardize in that sense. So why we need more regulation within whether it's offsetting or removal is to ensure that that carbon saving or carbon removal is actually taking place. So, and that's what's happening at the moment. It's been slow, I guess, up until now, but now it's accelerating with standards and criteria. So we need to ensure that has that carbon removal taken place? Like, how long will it be removed from the atmosphere for? Can we ensure that there's no leakage of that carbon elsewhere? So all of these different initiatives are popping up to ensure that if you buy a carbon credit, you feel assured that that carbon removal has taken place. Something we talk about on the podcast a lot is how with environmental issues, people are often forgotten. So we talk a lot about plants and plant power and agriculture but we forget about the people that harvest and plant and physically do the work or we talk a lot about fashion and then we forget about factory workers and makers and these creators that have been doing all of this stuff for us and I think it's really exciting when you see a project that actually works hand in hand with not only planet but people which is all about like B Corps in general it's all about people and planet But I feel like a lot of businesses often forget the people. Definitely. And I think that's like a wider challenge of just like the environment that we're in, which is that we forget that as people, we are nature. You know, we've come so far being connected to ourselves and to Mother Nature that we end up feeling like we're nature is over there. It's the beautiful landscapes and we're over here living our lives. And so part of what we want to do at Plan Boo is based on just 
that connection that we all have to nature, which is that you can't take one without the other. Yeah, definitely. So outside of what you do, obviously, it's really exciting and it's really important. Now I've spoken to you, I get it even more, the idea of of the removal rather than just the credit side. I, I do get that now. But what else do you think is important outside of this? So we're seeing a lot of big businesses, big bids, buying these credits and helping talk about their sustainability stories. But what else could they and should they be doing that you think is easy actions for big businesses? Yeah, it's a great question. Big businesses have a huge part to play. As you'll know, there a lot of companies have been coming out in the last 18 months to two years with these grand, ambitious net zero pledges, which is mm. by 2030, we will be completely carbon negative, carbon neutral. And you hear all these new buzzwords as well. And to be honest, it's a bit of a minefield. For a lot of businesses, they genuinely do want to do the right thing, but it's really hard to know where to start. So I think businesses ensuring that they, it's great to have an ambitious target and to hold yourself to account to that, but to make sure that you are lining those targets up with some credible standards. So for example, we encourage businesses that we work with to be aligning themselves with the science-based targets. And this is a standard that looks at helping companies actually set up credible pathway to reaching net zero. And that's really centered around being able to reduce. So first of all, you need to know what your emissions are. Yeah. And then you need to be reducing them up to 90%. So that when you are actually then offsetting or in our case, buying carbon removal credits, that's only 10%. And those emissions are the ones that are unavoidable. I mean, emissions are always going to happen. Even as humans, when we breathe, we're breathing out CO2. So we're not saying businesses shouldn't have emissions. It's they need to be able to account for them. And then once they come out with their pledges, actually start to think about how they can have a science-based and also safe, high-quality, high-integrity pathway to doing that. But we are seeing some really interesting like innovation happening around big businesses as well within the carbon removal space. So this month, it's been kind of huge for the, the nerds within the carbon removal space. And Frontier, which is like a consortium company made up of Meta, Google, McKinsey, Stripe, Shopify, they've basically put, up to, put forward up to $1 billion dollars into a fund which is their like advanced commitment for the carbon removal market which they know needs to grow we all know it needs to grow up to a hundred thousand times to reach the demand of carbon removal that's going to be required if we are to stay within you know 1.5 degrees of global warming so that's an example of using the private sector and that corporate will to actually help pre-finance technologies and projects like Planboo and other types, whether that's nature-based or technological. So they're, they're linking other companies and buyers of carbon removal credits so that they can pre-buy them, give them the money in advance, and then all the removal projects and companies can fast track their own development to actually reach the scale of supply that we need. So there is a lot happening, but I also recognize that there's still some demystification that's needed so that businesses actually know What does it mean? Like, how do we reduce? And then where do we remove from? And I think what's required for that then is regulation. So that's where governments and bigger, broader standards within the ecosystem come into effect, where we need to actually be shaping this around policy and advocacy. So another thing I think, businesses that can, as in have the financial means to do so, shouldn't just be stopping at net zero. Like it's one thing to say, okay, our company will be net zero by 2030, let's say. 
But if you hit that target, what do you do next? If you've already created a budget line for climate action, well, then cool, start investing in the ecosystem more broadly. Start looking at other reforestation projects, which might not be necessarily doing carbon removal. They might be forest conservation projects, but keep investing in those. Keep investing in the people who are custodians of the land in the global south. There's a guy called Robert Hoogland, who's the climate advisor for Milky Way and works together with Klarna. And he's a, like a real spokesperson within the space. And, and he talks about encouraging businesses to go beyond mitigating within their own value chains so that they are actually encouraging other businesses to collaborate and work together and actually contribute towards global net zero. Like we're all in this together. It sounds really cliche, but we all need to be elevating each other within this space. It's not like a regular market where we need to compete for a share of the market and it's all kind of competitive in that way. Like we all need to sort of be collaborating and working together to boost each other's solutions. Yeah, definitely, because there's no way out of this. We're all trying to push for the same goal, which is quite scary, but also there's room for optimism there. Absolutely. I feel optimistic. I'm feeling that there is like a change in consciousness. And yeah, we've run out of time, but that might just be, or running out of time, but that might just be the push that we need to actually take this seriously. So yeah, I'm optimistic. I think that's true. I am a sucker for a deadline. So I feel like the world, maybe we've just been waiting for a hard deadline and now it's like, okay, let's make some magic happen. And the best innovations come because of stress and timing. So like, look at the pandemic. We've seen so much incredible work and science happen over the last two, three years because we've had to. So hopefully with the pressure that's needed and I'm seeing a lot of different groups and what's exciting of all ages we're seeing a lot of gen z campaigners as well really putting pressure on governments businesses and individuals alike to just wake up and get involved so yeah let's hope that this short time that we have is actually gonna lead to something exciting yeah totally perfect well thank you so much for joining us this was fantastic it was great to be here So thank you so much, Priya, for coming on. This was so exciting. And we love having real life friends come on to the podcast. Yeah, it's so really cute. nice. It is it's it's like full circle. Yeah, it's nice because I know that obviously you guys have an existing relationship. So it's nice for me to sit and listen in. But also the way that you guys were chatting is so like just two friends having a nice chat and catch up about something without it being preachy. Love yeah. that. Yeah. So thanks for that. Yeah, so should we get on to the sustain- Sustainably Influenced Sustainability Score? Yeah! <laughs> so this is a cool one, actually, to yeah. think about, because there's so many levels here. So many levels. So, so many. I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer. Yeah. I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> so the Sustainability Score for Carbon Offsetting. How sustainable... Whew, this is a strong one. How sustainable <laughs> do we think carbon offsetting is? I'm going to give it... No, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say seven. Seven? Seven, I think. Seven? I can keep saying seven, but... Seven. I was going to go... <sighs> I think it could have two answers oh all right okay i I hate i'm always this person i'm annoying i would like to give it a four and a seven 
Okay, I need an explanation okay. for both. So the seven is if you were a company that have an actual genuine interest in saving the planet, <laughs> in helping us try to achieve our goals, lower impact, lower our impact and get ourselves to a place where we can actually see a future for this planet, you get a seven. Okay. If you are a company that are doing it to just save your back because you legally have to do it and you need to bring your emissions down because government are telling you to do so by 20, 2030 and then 2050, then you're getting a four from me and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. See, exactly what you've just said. I did think that, but I didn't want to be Debbie Downer about it. But first of all, if you're the company doing that, you get a big fat zero from me. And then for the actual work that you're doing and actually planting the trees, you'll get a four. Okay, I'm saying seven because I'm thinking along the lines of what they're actually doing is great. If companies are trying to lower their impact, and I'm trying to take people the benefit of the doubt here, if they are actually trying to lower their impact and negate that impact that's already been caused or kind of mitigate against it, then I'm here for that. Mm. And I will give them a seven and I will back them every day. But if you're doing it as a publicity exercise or to greenwash, then, yeah. Has, then, has anyone got a 10 so far? No. No, because I don't think we're ever going to give a 10 because we both know that it's not possible to be 100% sustainable. It's not. Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever going to get a 10. So if you're getting a seven, well done. Yeah. <laughs> One thing we didn't mention, though, I've realised there are schemes. So a lot of airlines, and I saw this before because mm. I tried to carbon offset yeah. my flights when I do fly. As much as I, like, all right, I know I've been really down on the trees <laughs> this whole episode. I do. Buy but I plant a lot. <laughs> yeah, I plant a lot. I love my greenery. You should see my garden. But um, I've I always try to carbon offset my flights. But I've noticed that more and more companies aren't doing the tree planting. They're trying to do community programs and oh, really? working. I can't remember who it is. And I think I might have found this out through that same conversation with Arena Flowers, where I think they actually do it as well, where they do community outreach and programs to help the local communities where the products are being grown or farmed, mm. as opposed to planting, planting. a tree. <laughs> Every time I say planting a tree, I pull such a face. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, I think that's something that we can maybe move towards because you can build wells, you can improve mm. the ecosystem in an area, you can put in regenerative practices. So if let's just say you're a mining company and you want to do something to do carbon offsetting, how can you then look at increasing the biodiversity of an area, improving the general well-being of the communities living there and encouraging them to live in a more circular or more sustainable way? That to me is still doing carbon offsetting because you're adding and you're helping with regeneration and you're looking at me like, I don't know if you're no, okay or not. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm with you on this, but something I was just thinking about, so I just went off on a brain thing, is that whenever it seems like we're finished for the episode. I always add in another point. <laughs> I do as well. It's always just like, and one more thing. This audience must be like, girls, get your shit together. Stop. <laughs> we were ready for the for the. The final, like, comment and go. <laughs> yeah. But that's it anyway. I'm done. <laughs> no, not to cut you off. Continue. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm done. No, I was done there. That was fine. I'm done. No, you but you're 
totally right. And I didn't think about that because when we booked, <laughs> and one more thing, we're going on holiday in the summer. And when we booked our tickets, I think it was with Ryanair, there was an option to... Yeah, you can do carbon offsetting. Carbon offset, and that was tree planting. Yeah. But the whole well and community stuff, I hadn't thought about. I hadn't seen that either. So that's really interesting. I, I need to find it out. I need to find out who it is that runs it because there's a couple of different community outreach programs that do it. Mm. But in the place of tree planting. Okay. Because... Bianca. Maybe they just knew that Bianca was going to have an issue with the yeah, trees. Like, oh, she's not going to go for that. What can we get her in with? How can we get her to book her Build holiday? Build a well. I will take it. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, on that note, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.